Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising Jesus, you got victory. Amen. Amen. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. Also, we want to remember the uh, Dorazzo family in prayer. Amen. I know Mr. Lorraine Dorazzo lost her father as well. And so many people have lost loved ones. Sister Cheryl Hood, good to see her in service as well, who lost her mother. So just so many people we need to be uh, praying for. Amen. Uh, if you will stand with me, those who are able to stand willing to stand. We want to read First Thessalonians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10 for our message on today. First Thessalonians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10. You'll find these words recorded in the NIV. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your works produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of your severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how the Lord, or how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the common wrath. I want to use for a subject, pastor and people, labor of love. Pastor and people labor of love. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We come thanking you, God, for this day. We come thanking you for every day. We want to thank you, God, how you brought us safely through 2021 and how you brought us into 2022, oh dear God. We have so much to be grateful for, oh dear God. Lord, we are grateful that you allowed us to assemble ourselves together 
in the house of the Lord one more time. We thank you for those who you have blessed us to be able to reach them via live stream, oh dear God. And we thank you for them tuning in and being a part of this worship service. Lord, we thank you for the songs that we have heard on today. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the scriptures that have been read, oh dear God. And now, Lord, as we come to your preach word, I pray that you'll let your man serve down deep into the storehouse of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. Lord, I pray that you enable me that I might be able to bring a word to these, your people. Lord, I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you might increase, oh dear God. Speak in me and speak through me, oh dear God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, oh Lord, my strength and redeemer. For this we pray in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah, and all the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you for standing in reverence for the word of God. I want to talk about a pastor and people, labor of love. How many know it takes teamwork for the dream to work? I don't care how great a leader you think you are, you can't do anything without people. And no matter how wonderful you think you are as a people, you can't do anything without leadership. Amen. So we need each other. Amen. For our calendar year for 2022, I want to use this particular theme, a labor of love. As we work in 2022, forgetting about what happened in 2020 and 2021, as we kick off a brand new year, the first Sunday of the year, I want us to focus on that whatever you do for God, make sure it is a labor of love. Amen? Amen. A labor of love. Now, I got this particular thing from Pastor Jackson and Sister Jackson when we went there for their 10th pastoral anniversary celebration. I was on to speak for them, and this tagline really stuck with me, and I said, going into 2022, I want to make sure this is to make sure that this is the theme, excuse me, for rising star. But however, this particular passage is really near and dear to my heart because for many years our tagline at Rising Star was a model church for ministry. And that's based on First Thessalonians, the first chapter and verse seven. A model church for ministry. We had that for many years, and many churches uh, watched what we were doing. In fact, we learned from other churches. We had church training. We had leadership training. I made site visits to different places and things of that nature. So I learned from other churches, and I learned from other pastors, and I read books, and I read articles to learn what other churches were doing on the cutting edge in order to grow and be all that God would have them to be. And as we learned from other churches and as we implemented things, uh, Things began to happen at Rise and Star. Many of you know the story when we were on 34 West, 34 Street, and how we went from one service to two service to three service. We brought this land, built this church and all this. And so I, what I noticed was a lot of churches, smaller than Rise and Star, they started copying some of the things that we were doing. So I realized that we had become a model church for many churches to follow. Amen. But as we got to the new campus, we got a new focus and we became really known as Rising Star Church International because now we are a local church with a global reach. And that's our tagline now based on Acts 1 and 8, Acts 2, 41 through 47. Now I'm just setting the stage for you here, okay? Now I just want to remind us as we go forward that we are on the battlefield for the Lord. And the Lord has called us into the vineyard to work. 
And God said, whatever is right, I'll pay you. So we got to make sure we keep our focus on the Lord. And remember that whatever you do in word or deed, you're doing it for the Lord. And at some point, at some time, God's going to reward you for your labor of love. You want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen. So in the meantime, you need to keep working. Amen. The Bible said that we need to be steadfast, unmovable, always about in the works of the Lord. For we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be not weary and well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Okay? So whatever we do, let's make sure that it is a labor of love. Now, you know well as I do, you've been to places and people serve you food or whatever the case may be. Maybe you were in a department store. You could tell right away that the person there really didn't want to be there. It was not a labor of love. And when you ask them a question like, What? <laughs> Like, like you interrupted them, amen. This supposed to be customer service. Don't you supposed to be here to serve the customer and stuff? And they act like you are bothering them, amen. So we know what it's like when people are doing a job that they really don't love doing, amen. But you need to make sure that whatever you're doing for the Lord, that you love doing it, amen, because you love God, watch this, and you love people. Now, there's a three-legged stool here when we talk about love. First of all, you got to love God. That's got to be your ultimate motivation for whatever you do. I do this because I love God first and foremost, okay? Once your motivation is grounded in the love of God, watch this. The next thing you got to do, you got to love people. <laughs> watch. How I many you know it's hard to do ministry if you don't like people? <laughs> because ministry is, is all about people. And how many of you have lived long enough to know that people have issues? <laughs> how many of you have lived long enough to know that you got issues? <laughs> Now, that's really a sign of maturity when you can see not only do other people have issues, but you realize that you got some issues yourself. And because you realize you got some issues yourself, you can be understanding, you can be compassionate in dealing with other people. Love God, first of all. Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, somebody. You got to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, watch this. A lot of people can't love you because they don't know how to love themselves. It's a three-legged stool. You got to love God, you got to love your neighbor, and you got to love yourself, okay? Once you can do that, then you're ready to do ministry. All right. Now, I can say a whole lot more about that, but let me move on in Jesus' name. Now, somebody said if you can, if you do what you love, you never work another day in your life. If you do what you love. In other words, you got to be passionate about what you do. You got to be excited about what you do. When you're excited about what you do, first of all, you're going to be fulfilled, okay? I'm doing this. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. So watch this. I'm fulfilled. I get joy out of doing this because I have a passion to do this. I have been gifted to do this. I've been called to do this. I've been equipped to do this. Come on, somebody. Therefore, I'm fulfilled in doing this. Amen. So people don't have to pull me. People don't have to drag me. People don't have to beg me. People don't have to call me, text me, remind me because why? I'm fulfilled. I'm happy in doing what I'm doing because watch this. The motivation is on the inside and not the outside. Watch this. External motivation will run out because somebody can talk you into something. They can talk you out of it. But when the motivation comes from the inside, can't nobody stop you, including the devil in hell. No demon, no devil, no person can stop you because my motivation comes from the 
the inside is God on the inside motivated me to do what I do. I don't do it for you. I don't do it for no paycheck. I don't do it because my name going to be on the program. I do this because God called me to do this. I've been empowered to do this. I have the strength to do this and I want to do it and I'm going to do it until God says, well done by good and faithful servant. So, so when God call you to do something, you should be fulfilled in doing it. The next thing is, you should be fruitful in doing it. In other words, if God called you to do something, you should see some results. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Watch this. If you keep doing the same old thing over and over, and you don't see no results, no progress. Come on, somebody. That's God telling you something. Hello, somebody. See Jack run with the big red ball. Maybe this is not your ministry. Come on, somebody. So you got to make sure that you're being fruitful. Because if God called you to do something, you're going to have some fruit sooner or later. Are you with me? And then the next thing is, if you're doing what God has called you to do, not only will you be fulfilled and fruitful, but you'll be faithful. Think about it. If I get joy out of what I'm doing, I'm getting results out of what I'm doing. But guess what? It's easier for me to be faithful because I know what I'm doing is making a difference. Selah. Watch this. Let me give you an example. You remember, Jacob went to work for his slick cousin Laban. Now, Jacob thought he was slick. But he met, he met the master of slickery. <laughs> Layman had a Ph.D. Jacob had a bachelor's degree in slickery. But Layman had a Ph.D. in slickery. But anyway, Jacob said that Rachel is so good looking. She is so fine. I fell in love with her right away. And I tell you what I do, Layman. I worked for Rachel for seven years. You know that's love. I'm going to work for seven years before we get married. And the Bible said it went by like days. Why? Because he loved her. And then Laman tricked him and gave him Leah instead of Rachel. Now, Jacob was upset, but Jacob said, watch this. I love this girl, Rachel, so much. She is so fine and got it going on. Guess what? I worked seven more years. You know that's love. And what I'm saying is, Jacob was willing to do that because he loved Rachel, and the Bible said that those years seemed like days. And what I'm saying is, when you love somebody, and when you love doing what you're doing, it is not drudgery. It's not a burden, but it's a blessing. Okay, let's, let's get into the text here. I got a lot to say. got a short time to say it. Watch this. As we come to our text, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10, Paul tells us the kind of church that God will bless I got five points, major points here. The first one is this. It was a saved church, okay? The Thessalonians, okay? The church at Thessalonica, okay, was a blessed church. The Thessalonians, they were a blessed people. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. He's writing to the church there, and he's saying that you're in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, grace and peace be to you. We always thank God for you all. Mention you in our prayers. Now, the word translated church is ecclesia. That's the Greek word ecclesia, and it means called out group. It refers to any gathering or any assembly. 
Now, in the first century, anytime people gather for a common purpose, especially to address legal matters, it was called an ecclesia. Okay, just like a town hall meeting was called in Acts the 19th chapter, verses 39 through 41. We are the called out ones of God from the agenda of the devil or hell to the kingdom of God to execute his rule here on earth. Okay, now listen, when we talk about the church, it is different from every other organization on the planet. That's why I said it is foolish for you to ever put an outside organization above the church. Well, listen to me. It's not wrong to belong to other organizations, but it is foolish, it is not wise, it is not biblical for you to ever put any organization above the church because this is the only church, that, only organization that God has ordained and put in the world in order for us to reach lost souls and equip Christians. He said, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is an eternal organization established by God. The church is God's headquarters on earth. The church is God's rescue mission on earth. Amen. No organization is more important than the church. In fact, when he comes back, he's coming back for a church. Amen. Not an organization, but a church without spot or wrinkle. So the church is God's headquarters and it's God's embassy here on earth. So it was a saved church. Notice they were in God the Father. It's in the, what we call in the Greek the locator sphere because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were in God the Father and Jesus Christ. In other words, because they were in Christ, amen, in God, they had been changed. The first time you got into the world, that's called generation. When you were born again, that's called regeneration. You have been introduced into a new environment. Being introduced into this new environment, the locator sphere in the Greek means that it has changed my entire being. In other words, I've gone from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. I've gone from being a tadpole to a bullfrog. In other words, I've undergone a metamorphosis. Come on, somebody. I've been changed. I am now a child of God. I'm part of the church. I'm no longer part of the world. I'm no longer on my way to hell. I'm no longer a child of the devil. I'm a child of God. I got a brand new nation. My name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. I'm walking down by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Amen. I'm part of the church. Called out one. I've been called out of the world. Called out of darkness. Called out of Satan's kingdom. Called into the marvelous life to be a child of God and be a part of this unique organization called the church. And what a privilege it is to be in the church. Now, it was a saved church. Here's the second thing. It was a servant church. It was a servant church. Verses 3 through 5. We continue to remember before God and the Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. Now notice what it said. Your labor prompted by love. Not guilt. Not obligation. Not money. Not to be seen. Not to be recognized. Your labor prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Here's my first point on that. The proof of salvation, their work. You don't work to get saved, but you work because you are saved. Listen, the Greek word used here for labor means or suggests working to the point of exhaustion. This ain't talking about no little, you know, light chores. This is talking about some roll up your sleeves, get some blisters, use your biceps and triceps, and do some work and sweat. Come on, somebody. Some hard work. Anybody know the difference between chores and, and, and hard work? Now, when I was growing up, 
let me go to the country for a minute. Now, when I was growing up, if you made up your bed, that's not work. That's a chore. If you swept the house, uh, swept the floor, if you mopped, if you washed the dishes, fed the chickens, that kind of stuff, those are all chores that we did. Now, when you get in the truck and go to the field, come on, somebody, and you got to pull some weeds, and you got to pull some corn, you got to load some hay, come on, somebody. Now, that's called real work. And there's a lot of people, you're doing chores around the church, and you think you're working, baby. No, you're just doing chores around the church, amen. But the real work is out there in the kingdom of God when you got to go into the kingdom of darkness, when you got to go to the parks and on your job, and you got to tell somebody about Jesus. So he said, labor, watch this, it was motivated by love. In other words, I don't do it because I'm paid for it. I do it because I'm made for it. Amen. Based on hope. The hope, Greek word used here for hope is not the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation. But the sense is confidence, expectation built on this, the solid certainty of the word of God. Biblical hope rests on God's promises. In other words, because I got God promises. Remember, he's a promise keeper. Because I have God's promises, I have the word of God. Watch this. My hope is founded on something solid, the word of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In other words, my hope is built on something solid. God promises. Amen. Now watch this. Hope is not inferior to faith, but hope is the extension of faith. So the proof of salvation is work. The Bible said we're saved by grace through faith unto good works. Watch this. If you don't ever do anything for the kingdom, how do we know you're really saved? The Bible knows nothing about an unemployed Christian. Amen. Come on, somebody. The Bible said we are saved by grace through faith unto good works. How we know if you got the grace and the faith if we never see no work? Continuation is proof of salvation. A faith that fills up before the finish will flow from the first. Are you with me? Because if you are truly saved, that should be evidence of the fact that you are saved. And part of that, not only living holy, but doing something for God. How are you going to say that you're saved, but you don't live saved? Now, I believe in the eternity. Uh, the uh, eternal security of the believer. I believe that. I believe that once, you tr once you're truly saved, you can't be lost. But if you're living like the devil, how you know you're saved? If you're living like everybody else. Are you with me? So if you say you're saved, you should have some works. You should produce some good works. Amen? So the proof of salvation, here's another thing. The proof of their salvation. Their word. The gospel came to them not only with words, but also with power. The Greek word for power here is the word deutimus, talking about Holy Spirit power. The same word used in Acts 1 and 8, amen, that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, amen. You shall be my witness, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to other parts of the earth. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So this power of salvation is the word of God. Watch this. Singing is good, but folks don't get saved without singing. 
Ushering is good, but folks don't get saved off ushering. Come on, somebody. All the other things that we do in the church, those things are good. People get saved by the word of God. Somebody has to get up and preach and proclaim the word of God. And when the word of God is proclaimed, the spirit of God activates something, amen, supernatural, to draw people to Christ, to bring about conviction, to bring about conversion. You can't get saved without this word. You can't be sanctified without this word. You can't grow without this word. You've got to have the word. And I don't care what we have going on in the service. The word takes priority because people don't know how to worship without the word. People don't know how to pray without the word. People don't know how to serve without the word. People don't know how to live without the word. You got to get this word in you. What's it? What's it? You know, I can tell when I have immature people in the church. Has nothing to do with how gifted you are or how smart you are. I can tell how mature you are as a Christian by your relationship and love to the word of God. People who are immature and carnal hates the word. And the shorter discernment, the better. Because I'm living a carnal life, I'm trying to do my own thing, and I don't want nobody to tell me what to do, including God. But people who are mature... They'll sit there and say, bring that word on because I realize I would never be what God called me to be unless I live up according to that word. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. I realize I can't grow apart from the word of God. Feed me. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. Feed me until I want no more. I can't make it without this word. Now, watch this. Here's another thing. Anyone who's not willing to submit themselves to the authority of the word of God, you can't help them. I don't, I don't care how much they go to church. I don't care how many counseling sessions you have with them. I don't care who they marry, who they divorce, who they remarry, what job they have, what city they live in. Anyone who refuses to submit to the authority of the word of God, you cannot help them. Because when you try to help somebody that's in rebellion to the word of God, you're putting water in a bucket with a big hole in it. You're just wasting your time, and you're wasting their time. All right. That didn't go over too well. All right. Here's the next one. The practice of salvation. Their walk. They put their walk. They put their faith into practice because of the leaders they had before them. Paul, Silas, and Timothy practiced what they preached. They talked the talk, and they walked the walk. People rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Jane Brown said, when you don't live the message, amen, that you're talking about or preaching about, you're talking loud and saying nothing. Barry White said, practice what you preach. Since, since y'all ain't getting me, I'm quoting scripture, y'all looking at me funny, maybe Jane Brown's or Barry White. I got to call some other scholars. I got to call some disciples y'all know about. <laughs> Watch this. So, so, so we see, first of all, the proof of their salvation, their work, the power of their salvation was the word, and the practice of their salvation were their walk. Now, here's the third thing. A suffering church. Here's the next thing. They, they were a suffering church, verses 6 through 7. First of all, they had mentors. Notice verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, 
in spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing what you see. The Thessalonians became followers of the Lord. Okay? And the word used here, the Greek word used here means mimics. Okay? It means imitators. They became imitators. They start mimicking the mannerism of their heavenly father. Okay? That's why uh, uh, when you look at your child, you should see something in your child that resembles you, okay? They will imitate you, okay? They will mimic you. They had received or embraced his teaching, the teaching of Paul, that is, and had begun to live according to what they had heard. Watch this. The Bible said, right in the midst of affliction. In other words, they had intense outward pressure, but they still received this word right in the midst of affliction, and they became imitators. They became mimics of God because of this word. Watch this. The word was so powerful and so relevant and so anointed, right in the midst of suffering, all this persecution, the Christians, they latched on to this word, and as a result of latching on to this word, they were transformed by the power of God. The Bible talks about four different types of soil when the word is preached. Those that fall around the wayside, then it talks about thorny ground, it talks about hard ground, it talks about good ground. Now, here's the thing. If your heart is not right, it's not going to produce anything in your life. Now, a lot of people want to grow and be all that God wants them to be, but they don't like suffering. How many of you have lived long enough to know that Christians don't like suffering? Nobody likes suffering, if the truth be told. But when you get mature, you'll get to the point to realize I'm going to never be what God wants me to be unless I learn how to go through some stuff. Somebody said a Christian is just like a, a bag of tea. Neither one of them any good until they both go through some hot water. And there, watch this. And here's another thing. The longer the tea soaks in the water, the stronger the flavor. Come on, somebody. Some, <laughs> some of y'all want to be awesome for God, but you don't want no hot water. But how many of you live long enough to know that God will put you in some hot water situations to bring out some flavor in you? Some of y'all raising two hands. Watch this. And watch this. And while you complaining and whining, how many know that God will still let you stay in hot water for a while? Amen. So you can soak. So you can be real strong when you come out of it. Amen. All right, let me move on. All right. So, so in other words, what we're saying is, God, I want to be a diamond, but I don't want no pressure. God, I want to be gold, but I want no heat. God, I want to be a pearl, but I don't want no irritation. God, I want to be a flower, but don't crush me to get no perfume out of me. God, I want to be anointed. I want to be like olive oil, but don't press me. That's why I keep telling people, if you don't go through the process, you'll never be able to handle position once you get the promotion. So mentors. And then here's the next one, model. And you became a model of all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Greek word model here is tupos. T-U-P-O, not tupos. Tupos. <laughs> I have to clarify these disciples I'll be mentioned up here because some of <laughs> Okay, it is derived from the root word, which means to strike or to hit, okay, to model, okay? It means to strike or to hit. It means an impression left by a, a flow or by an extension of a type or an example or model, okay? It means an impression left by a blow, okay? An impression left by a blow, okay? When something hits you real hard, it leaves an impact, okay? 
and it becomes a type example or model. Now, here's the Greek word used here. Describes a seal that marked wax, okay? They would take a seal, dip it in wax, and then they would stamp a paper, okay? So that, that sample of the, that seal will come off on that paper. But you first you had to put it in the wax, okay? And then you take the seal that been dipped in the wax and you stamp the paper. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody remember back in the day when you had to stamp stuff? Okay. Now I said, also it meant if, to mint a coin, okay? So we got like Abraham Lincoln and George Washington on our coins. They had to mint those coins so that image would be on that coin. And God is saying that, listen, I want you to be a model. I want you to be a type. I want you to be an example, but you got to be able to withstand a blow so I can imprint my character upon you. And then you'll be able to reproduce other Christians as well. Anybody remember the uh, IBM's electric typewriter, the one that had the ball and stuff on it? Okay. How many know that they had a ribbon, and when you would hit the ball, okay, or hit the key, it would leave an impression on the ribbon? And you can literally take the ribbon out the typewriter and unwind the ribbon and see what somebody typed. Because it left what? An impression. And what I'm saying, if you're a Christian and God has been dealing with you and you're walking in the spirit and you're in this word, you ought to leave an impression. You ought to be a model. You ought to be a type. Somebody should be able to see Christ all over your life. Amen. You are a living epistle. Amen. You are an example. You are the embodiment of Christianity. And somebody should be able to watch your life and know how to live for Christ. Ah, wow. All right. Let me move on in Jesus' name. Now, now watch this. Here's the problem as I wrap this up. There's a difference between leaving an impression and leaving an impact. You can impress people from afar, but you can only impact people close up. What, what, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Watch this. Some Christians are under the impression that when I say I'm a Christian, especially if you say you're a preacher or a leader or whatever the case may be, somehow I have to convince everybody that I'm perfect and I don't have no flaws. So we live in this bubble and we pretend everything is perfect. And every time somebody see you, how you doing? Praise the Lord. How you doing? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. No, sometimes you say, you know what? I'm not feeling good today. X, Y, and Z is happening. A, B, C is happening. I need somebody to pray for me. Come on, somebody. I got an attitude today. Come on. My husband is driving me crazy today. Come on, somebody. My children getting on my last nerve. We just need to be transparent and real and let people know you can still love God and still have problems in your life. Stop pretending everything is okay in your life. Be transparent and let somebody know that you're a human just like they are. Then they relate to you and they will pray for you and they will help you. Watch this. But we are so insecure That we feel like we always have to show people our stars rather than our scars. Let's move on. Last, next one. It was a soul winning church. The message, the Greek word used here, it means to bounce off, from which we get our English word echo. The message rained out from Macedonia up north to Achaia down south. That is all the Christians in Greece. Their testimony didn't stop with them. They became reproducing Christians like ripples in a pool. The word spread out in an ever-widened circle. It started with them, watch this, but it didn't stay with them. Here's an example of a word picture. It's just like a trumpet blast. You hear it, but the sound continues to resonate for a while. Okay? The Thessalonians' strong faith and firm testimony were echoing throughout the surrounding areas. Amen. In other words, their faith were reverberating all over Greece. 
Amen. Now, here's the thing I want you to, to understand here, too. Because, watch this. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he shall not part from it. But a lot of times you be raising your children and trying to teach them what is right, and you feel like it's all falling on deaf ears. Anybody been there, done that? Now, what the Bible is saying that you keep feeding that word to them. You keep praying for them. You take them to church. Come on, when they're small, you take them to church. Make sure they're part of the Easter program, the Christmas program. Come on, somebody. Make sure they get in the choir, the junior choir. Make sure they're part of the usher team. Make sure they're part of the step ministry, the praise dance. You just keep taking them to church. You keep praying over them. You keep quoting scriptures over them. And guess what? Just like a time release castle, after a while, something's going to happen. Something's going to explode. Come on, somebody. That word's going to explode. That word's going to catch them. That that word gonna convict them. That word gonna draw them. That word gonna change them. It's just like the prodigal son. Amen. He was raised right, but once he got there in the hog pen, lost all his money and friends. <laughs> God said, "Can you hear me now?" <laughs> he said, "You know what? I think I'll go home." <laughs> Even the servants got it bad, and I have it out here in the hog pen. I'm going home. Hello, you know the testimony. Uh, uh, Pastor Coates, the pastor, we uh, went to Glendale where I met my wife and married my wife at Glendale Baptist Church. He was saved, watch this, at a party. He got saved at a party. He'd been hearing scripture for years, and one night at a party while he was partying, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit convicted him. Can you imagine sitting at a party trying to get your groove thing on? Come on, somebody. Trying to shake your groove thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to get your head fixed. Come on, somebody. Trying to get a hookup, and all of a sudden, you start getting convicted. What happened was that word that was in him caught up with him, and it exploded at a party. And once it exploded at the party, he said, I can't stay up in here. I can't drink this stuff anymore. I can't hang out with y'all anymore. I can't do what I used to do. I got to get up out of here because hush, hush, somebody's calling my name, and it sounds like Jesus. And I came to Jesus just as I was. I was very worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and here I made me glad. Can anybody testify? that God called up with you one day and saved your soul, made you whole, pick you up, and turn you around. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm seen. God's word will catch up with you. Them prayers will catch up with you. Them songs will catch up with you. Those speeches will catch up with you. Let me move on and wrap this up. I've been even surprised with Christians. I've seen some people come here. They were so, and I ain't talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. I've seen some people come here. You were so close to hell, you smell like smoke. I didn't say that to be funny, but this, this, this is my point. My point is, but I've seen you be radically saved and transformed by the power of God. And now I see you loving people. I see you in the word. I see you up serving. Come on, somebody. God has done something radical in your life. Amen. Because them sermons you kept hearing, eventually they caught on. And you said, I got to get up from here. I got to do something. So we see the message. We see the messenger. Amen. And my last point, I got to wrap this up. Uh, it was a second coming church. They were waiting for the Lord. And to wait from the Son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus. That's the messengers. Come, let's go to the next point. The last one. It was a second coming church. We are waiting for the second coming of Christ, and we aren't worried because he has rescued us from the wrath to come. In other words, it's an active wait. We're not just sitting in a rocking chair. A rocking chair won't take you nowhere. But we are active Christians carrying out our faith and doing what God has called us to do until the return of Jesus Christ. To wait, that's the patience. His son, that's the person. From heaven, that's the place. Who raised him from the dead, that's the power. Even Jesus, that's that precious name who delivers us from the wrath to come, and that's the promise. We are waiting for Jesus to come again. We are a second coming church. We're doing all we can while we can, as long as we can, as often as we can, for as many people as we can, because we know soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Jesus is coming back. Listen, as I extend the invitation, there are four major themes of movement in Scripture, and we always need to remind people of this. First of all, you have creation. That's in Genesis. Then after creation, there's the fall. Adam and Eve, they messed up. That's why we see sin, okay, and all the evil. The third thing you see in the Bible is redemption. Creation, the fall, redemption. And the last one is the new creation. Paradise was lost in Genesis, but it was gained in Revelation. Now, let me just give you this quick illustration real quick as we extend the invitation. I was listening to Dr. Melvin Wade, who preached the funeral of Dr. Menard Black. And he said that, for a Christian, death is a promotion. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we need to keep that perspective in mind as we experience loss and people die all around us. Now watch this. He said that when he was a boy, and some of y'all probably remember when the theaters were segregated, when the whites would sit down on the main floor and the blacks had to go up in the balcony. But anyway, he said that about halfway through the movie, what they would do, they would stop collecting tickets. So after... Halfway through the movie, when the people who were collecting tickets would go sit down, they would sneak in. And they would see the second half of the movie. And he said that once the movie was over, though, he said they stayed in their seats so they could get the first half of the movie. And he said that while other people were on pins and needles, thinking about how the story going to end. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They said we were not a, we were not wherever we were not upset about what was going on in scene one and two because we already had seen scene three and four. We knew how the story gonna end. And I'm saying as Christians, we know how the story gonna end. You may be in scene one, two, whatever the case may be, but baby, we know how the story's gonna end. So need no need to worry, no need to fret. Because Jesus done fixed it for us. If you're here, thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org and click the yellow donate button. Or zell us at finance at risingstarbaptist.org. Or mail in your love offering at Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church, 2800 East 36th Street, Tucson, Arizona, 85713. We look forward to you tuning in again. 
Remember, Rising Star Baptist is a local church with a global reach. Oh.